Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hello, hello, Rockstar SLPs. This is another episode of the Real Talk SLP podcast. I'm your host, Felice Clark, and today we're going to be talking about response to intervention and the role of the speech-language pathologist at the preschool level. So if you are new to the school setting and you're going, what in the world is this RTI process and I'm supposed to go to all these meetings and what is my role here? Um, This episode is for you and for SLPs that have been in the school system and are just trying to navigate how they could be a little bit more effective with implementing RTI and working with the general education teachers to support students using the response intervention approach, this episode is also for you. So I thought it'd be great to have Darla from Miss Gardenia's Speech Room come on and share her role as the speech pathologist at her site serving preschool students implementing the RTI process and just giving us some practical tips and strategies for how we can be part of that team, have it be effective for serving students both on and off our caseload because RTI is a general educational approach and function. And we have a spot at that table and we are very important in that. Um, So let's head on over to that interview. Right. Welcome, Darla, to the Real Talk SLP podcast. I'm so excited to chat about RTI I'm in the preschool setting with you today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, today we're going to be specifically talking about the response to intervention approach and model and how SLPs can be a part of that process, specifically with the preschool setting. So is that who you currently work with or do you work with preschool and elementary? Well, I have only worked with early childhood, which is in our district, three to six years old for a few years now. But this year, due to a shortage of SLPs, I will be supervising a speech assistant again at the first, second and third grade level. So I'm still at my early childhood center and that is my home base. And that's where most of my students are. But now I get to see some of those babies who've grown up and now they're in first, second and third grade. And it's kind of nice because I'll get to check in on them and see how they're doing. I like the first, second, and third grade age group. That's And I like preschool too, but I like having the early elementary kids. They're fun. Um, yeah, so before we jump into talking about RTI, I wanted to know if you had a song that reminds you of working with a team implementing the RTI approach or kind of a song that anthems that RTI can be a really effective way to support students. Sure. So some of my followers know that I was a skating rink DJ for many years in high school and early college. And so you've got to go back to the classics, right? And let's get back to the classics. Think about Starship. Nothing's going to stop us now. Whenever we're all working together as a team, I just feel like the world is behind us and we are championing for our kids. We're all working together for the best of each student. And sometimes I can picture myself skating around that skating rink with the wind blowing through my hair and how good that felt. 
I think that's a great song for us to to align with this today. I almost gonna I'm gonna start belting it out <laughs> with the '80s classic. Um, I did not know you were, you were a skating rink DJ, so that is a really fun fact. Yes, I can mix with the turntables. I can. This was pre CDs. We were using vinyl. That's awesome. I remember. I have a lot of memories in the '80s of going to skating parties and going to the skating rink, and mm-hmm. it was a big deal back then. Yeah, for a lot of kids. So that is very, very cool. So let's switch gears and talk about RTI. Um, Those SLPs that maybe are newer to the school setting may not even know what you're talking about when we say RTI process. So if you could share a little bit about what it is and the purpose for why schools are implementing an RTI approach, uh, that would be awesome. Sure. So I had originally worked in the high school and middle school campuses and I'd also worked in the nursing home. I came back and worked at an early childhood campus and that was a huge adjustment. First of all, I couldn't understand anything anyone was saying. I thought, wow, these kids really need speech. All of them need speech, but we know that's not practical because not all kids qualify for services. So over the last eight years at my early childhood center, I've learned a lot about this area. And through trial and error on our campus, we've created a really strong program that's very effective. So RTI is a general education program. And I know in Texas, speech is part of the special education program. Um, RTI is also now becoming known as MTSS or multi-tiered system of supports. Um, It's very similar. They just incorporated the PBIS behavior training into it. And so that's kind of why it's becoming more popular as MTSS. So there are three tiers of RTI. We often see it represented as a pyramid. Tier one is where all the students are in the classroom when they start school. And that's the level of intervention that you give to all students and they base it on universal screenings. As SLPs, we think of universal screenings for speech and language, but there are also universal screenings for preschool like the CLI or circle test. Kindergarten uses DRA, reading assessments, and that gives them a lot of information. Some districts do universal speech and language screenings on incoming preschoolers, but mine does not. We only screen Head Start students. So all of this takes place in Tier 1. And then in Tier 2, the students who are at risk are identified using the screeners and other classroom observations from the teacher. So the teachers bring their names to a committee that determines how to intervene with each student. And my district, we call it our care committee. Some places call it intervention team. So goals are then developed based on the areas of need. We determine like where's their biggest struggle? What do they need the most? And that's when interventions are implemented. They're implemented by the gen ed teacher minimum of three times a week. It's a big cycle. As progress is made, The goals are updated and the interventions are changed. If the student does not make progress as expected, despite all the alterations in the plan that you can think of, then the team may suggest a special education referral, which is where speech would come in. Okay, so I'm going to recap a couple of things. I was taking a little bit of notes. In California, because I'm from California, we call a lot of schools call it student study team, but it's basically the same thing, RTI, just so people know that like different places in the United States may be naming the same type of approach differently. So the acronyms can get a little probably confusing, but yeah, so tier, so it sounds like for you, tier one is something that everybody's getting. It's the strategies that the teacher is looking 
to provide for every student. And then once they have the tier two, do you guys just meet as a team or do you invite the parent to come into the process? We usually invite the parent after we've met a couple of times. We want to see if it's something that we can implement in the classroom initially with the teacher. And then we would invite the parent in after the first or second meeting. And then when you find that basically after you've been meeting as a team with the tier two interventions, of course, it sounds like you're documenting like if there's been progress or no progress. and then. Where does the tier three come in? Or does that just go straight to like discussing an assessment plan? Yeah, tier three is usually when we have the parent come in and we're talking about a referral for special education. That sounds very similar to how we do it too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, okay. So tier one, the classroom teacher has, is implementing with no support tier two. That's when the team members come together to brainstorm how to support the student and you're monitoring progress. And then tier three is when you bring in other parents and probably maybe the psychologist and this, do you come in at the, we use diagnosticians um, and speech pathologists. Mm -hmm. So do you go to the meetings at the tier two level or do you wait till the tier three? Okay. Yep. Awesome. That leads to the next question. How does the SLP fit into the RTI process specifically for preschool? And how are you a part of the team? And, you know, how do you schedule that into your workday so that you can support the RTI team? Yes. So as the SLP, I'm just one member of the team that, that identifies these students. We do develop a plan of inter intervention. We monitor progress over a period of time, but I am not the person providing that intervention. So throughout this process, I might look over the screener that the teacher completes. I don't complete these screeners and they make recommend, I make recommendations for the goals that they may want to work on. I coach the teacher through the process, but I never actually provide any direct intervention just because that is what here in Texas, our legal teams have recommended and as far as our attorneys for the school districts. Um, so example, if a student comes to, I mean, if a teacher comes to the meeting and they're saying my student's not able to answer simple questions, this came up literally in a meeting yesterday, the third day of school in kindergarten. The student cannot answer questions about why he's doing something out of the ordinary. So when the child is found doing something random in the classroom and the teacher's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? He can't tell her. He just stares at her. And so the teacher's concern is he can't tell her what he needs. He just wants her to do everything for him, especially in the bathroom. He comes out. He wants her to come in and help him. And so we made a goal. I mean, third day of school, we made a goal. Follow a visual schedule during bathroom routines. And the second goal is to answer simple, direct, yes or no questions about personal care. He can't do that yet. He's not doing that. And so we, yeah, we, we would like to go ahead and say this kid's going to be a speech kid. But what we need to do is provide interventions in the classroom in the least restrictive environment so that we can see if he can become successful without specialized instruction because we number one it helps the teacher learn how to problem solve the situation and develop goals on her own but it also will help probably some of the other students in the classroom as well another place that we often start with goals is following one step commands with spatial concepts and um, this comes up when students are not able to follow routines or just simple tasks in the classroom so think about how many spatial concepts are given out when a teacher gives directions in a preschool classroom. And I have three-year-olds all day on my campus too in Head Start. So put your crayons back 
in the box. Put your box in your cubby. Push your chairs in. Line up at the door. Johnny, get behind Susie. And they just can't comprehend those concepts because they haven't learned them yet. So as a member of this team, we are the experts on our campus in language. Unfortunately, our teachers, even early childhood certified, are not trained in typical language development. It's just not something that they're able to spend a lot of time on in their training, in their classwork, um, in their undergraduate. And so they don't realize sometimes, especially new teachers, how much language impacts every aspect of learning at this age group in the preschool and kindergarten level. And we can help impact so many more children than just the students on our caseload. All the children in the school can benefit from vocabulary and language instruction. So as the SLP, how do I make that happen? Sometimes I just have to plan my therapy. We're on um, an every three-week schedule. We have five times per three weeks. So on that sixth day, we schedule care meetings on that day when I don't have therapy. We just make it happen where we schedule them six weeks in advance. We make it on our calendar at the beginning of the year. We put that on our schedule. So I know that I'm going to have that day. Yes, we have our meetings or we call IEP meetings. Yes, we have referral meetings and we have all those other things. But this is very important to my campus. And so that's what we make it happen. Yeah, and I would uh, just a couple of points that from what you were sharing, it sounds like you are already implementing a consult and coaching model at the tier two level for these teachers. And so I talk a lot about collaborative services, and this is just a great example of being able to implement a collaborative service in a different way that I think the long-term benefit is that one, if the, if the interventions aren't working, you're, you're able to identify child find, right? So the reason why it's important to do these things is that reason. And then also we want our kids to stay in the least restrictive environment. And then on the third thing that I've always found benefit with the RTI approach, if it's done correctly, is it really helps to know, you know, you'll get referrals for students who don't speak English as a first language and you need to give them that time and the ability to adjust and then also, you know, if they do need assessment, you can say, well, like we tried all these things and really feel confident with those referrals. So I don't know if you found, have you found that to be true as well? Yes. Yeah, so even I, I feel like as, as we've gone through this process and made this better on our campus, my referrals that I get are pretty much all legit referrals. We have very few did not qualify. And even if they don't qualify, we continue the RTI process. We go ahead and keep them in tier two, but now we have all of this evaluation data to say, this, here are his or her specific weaknesses. This is what you need to target. And I may not be the person that needs to target that because the child does not qualify for services. They don't require the specialized services of an SLP. They're a general ed teacher or a reading interventionist or a para that's working in the school, pulling kids for intervention they can just take those goals and those activities and work on that. And, and the student can still make progress and be ready for first grade when they leave our campus. That's awesome. And then do you feel like the teachers, as this process has gone on, trust you a little bit more or value what, because you took, you're taking the time to attend all these meetings. I'm sure it's a pain in the neck mm -hmm. in, in some ways. Well, I have learned so much more about teaching. I mean, we're not classroom teachers. I'm not trained in education. I don't have a teaching certification. And I have learned so much more about what they do 
which makes me empathize with them whenever I'm asking them to do these things in their classroom. And I believe that we have become a better team because of it. Because if I'm in a care meeting and they're saying, well, I'm working on these letters with a student, I can say, hey, I'm working on these sounds. How about we work on the same letters and sounds in a developmental order? And let's see if the student can get those letters. If they have five sight words they want the child to learn, I'm going to use those sight words in print with my Arctic cards or in my language making sentences. And we work together and it just provides the student with more opportunities to practice those skills. I've learned so much more from teachers than I hope that they have learned from me because I have <laughs> learned a lot from them. But being in that classroom and helping them, just visiting them, them coming to my room and borrowing things, it has definitely made the team a lot stronger. We have a really good team. That's awesome. And I would say that, you know, you're also able to impart some communication strategies and stuff to the teacher as well that they can use throughout the day mm-hmm. in their classroom. So it's like a win-win. I think that's why I like the coaching consult model mm-hmm. and you're helping all the kids right. too. Right. You brought that up earlier. Okay. So what types of resources and tips do you have for SLPs that are part of the RTI team? Like what would you say maybe if you could do something differently or if you, what you've learned that has been really helpful what tips would you give? Well, here are some things that have worked for me. And it's not something that you're going to feel comfortable doing the first year. I didn't. Um, I used to hate to get up in front of people. I was scared to death. I thought, who am I to speak to anyone? But you develop your own confidence just by also making relationships with the teachers. At the beginning of the year during professional development, I started with my own campus. I started by having a training for the teachers on RTI, on language, basic RTI articulation norms, what a student might look like if they have some delays, what they may act like in your classroom. And now this year I presented to all of our elementary campuses. They brought everyone together and I presented every 30 minutes, four times right in a row. And now I feel like everyone is benefiting from it, not only my campus. So it's something that you don't have to go big at first, but you can definitely grow into that role in your district. I have a language and articulation screener that I share with them because again, I do not screen students that could be misconstrued as an evaluation. So I show them examples during that training of this is what a a completed screener looks like. This is what it's gonna look like. I put it in a Google Drive so they can refer back to it. I fill a Google Drive with resources for them as far as action words and pronouns and categories. And I share that with all the, the teachers on my campus. The screeners are in there, activities are in there, and then I've even got teachers making activities, putting them in there, and then everyone can benefit from it because these are all just simple resources that they have found works well um, for their age group. And so they put them in there and we're sharing and we're collaborating together. Everything's organized by articulation and language. And so they can just open that up and use it. Another way I support teachers is just by being available. When they have questions or need materials, I do my best to help. Under promise, over deliver. I learned that the hard way. I was definitely telling everyone, I can do that. I can do that. I can help you with that. And I was getting nothing done in my own job. I was getting, I was not helping them. So if they, if they make a comment in a care meeting, I make me a note. And at the end of the week, when I have time, I'll go back and check those notes and send them something that they needed. 
We keep a cabinet of language materials the teachers can check things out of. So we've got activities from Super Duper. We've got activities from Lakeshore. And we've got them all sorted by area of weakness. So positional concepts, categories, action words, simple sentences. They come in and they say, here's what my student's doing. And I say, here, let's grab this little positional um, language activity. Take this and do this for a while because they really need to be doing interventions with their students three to four times a week. I will come in and even model a whole group lesson for them. I have come in and read a book. You know, the way an SLP reads a book, it's a little different than a classroom teacher might read a book. And I tell them, you know, ask a who, a what, a when, a where on every single page. Find a category to name and find something to describe. And so I will just come in on a Friday whenever I don't have kids scheduled and read a book to their class and let them sit back and take notes. And then we talk about it at the end of the day. So that's just a few ways that I've helped with the teachers. That's awesome. So with the library, do you just have a checkout sheet? And then we did I write up and I didn't want to keep up with that. So sometimes I'll just send an email. Like if I'm missing an item, I'll say, Hey, can you, whoever has a positional concepts, please return it to the RTI cabinet. But they're pretty good about returning the activities back to the cabinet. I've got them labeled. So even sometimes at the end of the school year, I'll find them on my table where they're packing up the room. They're like, Oh, this goes back to our list. So they'll bring it back to my room and I'll, Oh, that's where that's been. So they're pretty good about it. So I, I have a question about your IEP caseload. Have you seen a change in it since implementing RTI with more, you know, direction and focus? Yes. I have seen a change in the teachers that have them in their class. I've seen more understanding from the teachers as far as what their deficits truly are and why they're not able to comprehend something in the class or why they're not able to express themselves in a certain way. I've seen the teachers working with them more in their small group time on the same goals that I have. So, yes, I, I don't know that I can say that they're, pro I only have them sometimes for two years, sometimes only one year if they don't start until kindergarten. So I don't know that their progress has shown anything. I would have to ask our first, second, and third grade, are they getting out sooner? Are they, you know, lingering on through elementary? But I've seen a change in the teachers and how accepting they are of having our, my special ed students in their classroom. That's awesome. And then would you say that when you get a speech or language referral, you're probably, a at least for me, when I was implementing RTI, I felt more confident to do the assessment, especially with like my bilingual students, because I didn't want to sign a kid up when they could be having a language difference or a speech difference because of their first language. But then also, I would get a lot of referrals that I remember one site in particular and I'm going, okay, guys, did you do RTI? Because this is, this can take me 10 to 15 hours to do a, a legally defensible assessment. And if I, if you could put all that time back into the gen ed RTI model that it sounds like you are able to do, when you get a referral, you're getting one that is, is, is a legit referral and it's saving you time in terms of doing an assessment where they may or may not qualify. I mean, of course, if someone's requesting an assessment, that's a different situation, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yes, I we're in a minority majority district already. And so a lot of my students are bilingual and I have a bilingual SLPA that works with me. The bilingual teachers are very good at figuring out now, is it a language difference or disorder? 
because some of our students might not have any language, no Spanish or English. So they're through RTI just teaching them language or they're figuring out, do they really need to be in a bilingual class or should they be in an English class with ESL support? What do they know more of? Because they're speaking Spanish to them and maybe they don't even understand Spanish. And so that, that process definitely has improved because we're not just getting students who have no language in general and they just need some time to learn language. I do feel like our, our evaluations are more um, effective. We have a lot more data to bring to the evaluation so that we can't just say we're testing everyone and we're having a lot of DNQs. And I, we have a lot of students successful with just RTI alone that I feel like if they hadn't had RTI, they would just really struggle in elementary. Once they started with their reading and, and all of those higher level concepts, I feel like they would really have struggled if they didn't have RTI. Yeah, I love it. And I love all your idea of going into the classroom and modeling a book for the classroom teacher, Yeah, um, I, which is awesome. I have a beginning of the year PD that I've done for our district, read a book like an SLP. And I have them all bring a book to the class. And that's one thing we go through the book and we we find all the rich vocabulary and we find all the WH questions because we're not just reading the words that are on the page. We're reading the whole story and and they always really enjoy that one because we get really into it. <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah. So I think the biggest takeaways that I learned just from how to get started is just start educating your staff, being a part of the RTI team and just really coaching and giving the time to teachers so you can build that relationship and trust. And then you know, thinking outside the box a little bit and providing teachers the resources that they need with tools and toys and activities, you know, to get them to actually implement the process and bridging that gap of them feeling successful. Another thing that I didn't mention was our communication with parents. Um, at, especially at this age, one, I do have a, a couple of blog posts about this with some free downloads. Um, just things that we've done in our school because we got a huge grant and we were able, this was back when we only had about 275 students. We're now over 400 students. So I don't know that we can still do it to this level now. But for instance, one time we sent home a package of muffin mix with every student in the school. And there's a, there is a download with the vocabulary and the, the kitchen words and the action words and how to implement um, language in your home just by making a package of muffins. And some kids made pancakes because they didn't have muffin pans. And so we had them come back to school the next day. And as they were coming into school, we had an anchor chart and they put, did they make pancakes or did they make muffins? But in order to get the parents involved, one thing we did was we made a hashtag on social media and we had them take a picture of their child making their muffins in their home and use that hashtag so that we could then get all the kids in the school making their muffins. And then the kids whose parents did not had the chance or were not able to make muffins and um, we took a little poll and we had them all come down to the family center and we made muffins with them at you know at the end of one day and we did all the activities with them so no one was left out we did that over the course of every single month with this grant we sent something home we sent home a ruler and straws and string and they made necklaces and they measured and they wore their necklaces to school you know and so that was something that another activity that that they were able to do at home 
talk about the language involved. And we just had handouts that we sent home vocabulary words that they were to target while they were doing the activity, share it on social media and wear it to school the next day. We did, we did an entire year of that one year and it was the best. The, the day that we passed out, whatever they were taking home, the kids loved it. They were so excited. That's cool. So once a month, you would send something home with a handout, instructions, and then the hashtag was how you got some parent buy-in. And I loved how you guys polled people, you know, the kids, make sure that if they didn't participate, they still got that opportunity. So that is very cool. I'm glad you shared that. And I know you have um, an RTI course available. So why don't you talk about that a little bit before we end this interview? It was really helpful. Sure. So in all the various Facebook groups that we have for SLPs, I constantly see people asking for help with RTI. And I know exactly where they're coming from. I had no idea where to start. Um, everybody wants to pick your brain and wants you to tell them exactly what to do. But if you don't have an idea of where to start and you don't feel confident doing it, you're just going to feel helpless and overwhelmed and you're never going to find time in your day to do that. And so my goal is through my course is to number one, give you the tools to educate your teachers. I'm actually going to give them a PowerPoint and show them how to train their teachers on RTI. My beginning of the year PowerPoint, I'm going to share that with them. I also um, want to coach them through some scenarios of students who may um, show up in RTI and what went into the teacher, what kind of goals would you recommend? I have some RTI um, book companions for teachers that go page by page and have questions and prompts that you could ask on every single page of the book, specifically for preschool and kinder, so that the teachers will be able to implement RTI in a whole group, not only in a small group, because it may benefit some other students that aren't identified in their classes being at risk. I also have those parent handouts and parent ideas letters to send home to parents and tell them what activities their kids um, are working on at school and they can carry over that language at home. In the, in the course, I have data collection forms for teachers. This course is specifically for language because articulation is pretty cut and dry. The very first thing I will share is the screener. They get that when they sign up just for the waiting list. And so they should already have the screener if they've signed up for the waiting list. But the course will basically just be over the first few months of school, we're going to all work together and build confidence and develop leadership skills so that you can be an effective member of the RTI team on your campus. This sounds really awesome. And I will say that one of the key things when you're joining an RTI team, you're going to have some pretty skeptical teachers. Yeah. And when you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it or you don't show up to a meeting because life, you know, we know the school speech therapy life. They don't understand our our job just as much as we're learning about their job. So they're automatically going to think, oh, this is, this is a waste of time. They're not helping me. And so if you need that coaching, like you, your time and confidence are an issue, getting in a course like this to actually take action as an SLP would be really, really beneficial for, you know, setting the stage for your RTI team. I don't know. And I think I it think. would be good for anyone who's a new SLP or even an SLPA because some SLPAs are left to do RTI on their campus. Also for anyone just moving to the early childhood setting. I mean, when I came, I just, I had no idea where to start. I, I'd never worked with anyone under the age of six. I'd worked with 106, but never a six-year-old and much less a three-year-old. And so 
I just didn't even know where to start. And just by looking at the state standards or what they're expected to teach in the classroom and working it down, you know, working down and figuring out where language is impacting that and then working your way back up. That's just the that's just the best way to describe it. And that just comes with time and experience and training. Awesome. So, yes, I will put the link to the course in the show notes. I know doors are closing September 13th, and I believe it's MissGardini.com forward slash RTI course, correct? That's right. All right. Well, I will put that in the, the show notes as well. But if you're wanting support with implementing an RTI approach, um, this course sounds really awesome because it sounds like you get everything you need to support teachers. So imagine all the time you're saving and you're going to be the rock star SLP on your campus with Gardner's <laughs> course. <laughs> They're going to be like, whoa, we knock it on your door. Try to get here. Exactly. <laughs> and then, but then you don't have to hide because you're like, well, I have this activity for you because uh, it's ready to go. So thank you, Darla, for coming on the Real Talk SLP podcast and sharing about RTI and uh, giving all your wisdom about this subject. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. I was kind of like, ooh, Borg uh, collaborative service talk. I wasn't expecting that. So that was cool. All right, everyone, don't forget to be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired. And if you have any questions, as always, you can reach out on social media or email. And uh, I'm happy to answer some questions for you. And I will leave information for how you can get a hold of Darla so that you can ask any questions that you may have about implementing RTI in the school setting. All right, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Uh-huh.